Hi, welcome to Pass the Brain Cell, a podcast where five idiots, give or take, pass their collective brain cell and explain our weird media fixations to each other. My name is Remy, I use they, them pronouns, and I can't remember the last time I went to the dentist. <laughs> mm. That's a good one. It's not That's good. good hi. <laughs> well, it's not good, but it's a good fun fact. I don't... Yeah. Um, hi, my name is Lucy. Uh, my pronouns are she, her, and I forgot to take my ADHD medication this morning, so <laughs> Hi. 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 Um, hi. 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 Um, my name is Kaylin. My pronouns are she, her. And um, you know what? I'll just piggyback off of Remy here. And I'll let you guys <laughs> know that I too need to go to a dentist. Because I have a massive fucking just like hole in one of my teeth. And it's been there for a year. Oh my god, wait. That's is sexy. it on the side? No, uh, it's like on like the like the like furthest back on the right tooth. Just like a chunk of it is gone. I have a big old hole big, in how... the side of my like wisdom tooth. Wild. Right oh, how how big is it? Like, is it in the middle? Yeah. Oh me? Could you, could you like oh, wiggle was, something could in you there? Fit, yeah, could you fit like a like a toothpick or something through it? No, it it doesn't go all the way through. It's like just like a piece of it is I... gone. What about you, Remy? Um, no, it's too far back for me to put anything in there. Man, that Sorry. sucks. Um, all right, what, what? what would you want to put in it? Wait, sorry. Mm-hmm. Why are know, you I asking? I was curious. I was just curious. It seems like you have an agenda. That's a pretty innocent no, question. I was just thinking like a opinion. toothpick or something. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, is that? All right. All right what fine. order are we going I'll in fucking, today? I'll talk to you guys later. I feel like we should do Kaylin first because it's been a while. Oh, we should have decided that beforehand. No, it's fine. Uh. Or actually, you know what, Lucy, since you have you have a long one, do you want to go first? Um, yeah, I, if you guys uh, don't mind. Oh, I mind. I mind. I forgot actually. that I minded. Yeah, so uh, I actually, I want to take a page out of Remy's book and I want to start my segment off with a quote. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, this is from... Sorry, I'm very emotional about this. I'm very connected to the topic. Um, This is from uh, Game FAQs, one of their most controversial uh, threads of all time, uh, titled, Why Does Ocelot Kiss Snake? Under the category, uh, Metal Gear Solid 4, Guns of the Patriots. The quote is from Caffeine7. It's a Russian twant. Uh, So what I want to talk to you guys about today is Metal Gear Solid and whether or not it's gay because it is a uh, obviously hot button issue when Caffeine 7 comes out to talk about it. <laughs> the problem with Metal Gear Solid is that the reason I know so much about it is that um, I like things with convoluted plots and right. it has the most convoluted plot, and none of it makes any sense, and it's very stupid. Yeah, Blue mm-hmm. has tried to explain this to me before. So with that in mind, I want to give you guys a little... This is kind of a choose-your-own-adventure segment. Oh. Whoa. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to give you a choice here, um, because we've talked a lot about um, like lore and shit of stuff that has like different timelines and complicated... Back and forth. So I want to give you guys the option. You didn't even. You weren't uh, even here for the Five Nights at Freddy's episodes. So yeah, you. You have no idea. No, I don't know. Um, well, I want to give you guys the option. Do you want me to explain the events of the series, in the event 
like in the sequence of when they happened in the story or when the different games came out? I would say go in game order. Okay, cool. So let's talk, let's talk about Metal Gear Solid 3, which is the third game that actually came out in the Metal Gear franchise, but is the seventh game chronologically. So... <laughs> Um, so, so, so it didn't matter. <laughs> no, it didn't matter. No, no, no. There are two arcade games, Metal Gear and Metal Gear so Two, and those don't really us, matter. You're teaching us that our decisions in life don't actually matter. Yeah, which is actually pretty uh, accurate to the rest of Metal Gear Solid's uh, <laughs> ideology. So, uh, with that in mind, um, the other agenda I have here is to talk about the character of Solid Snake and who that is because there is a movie coming out soon uh, based on oh. Metal Gear Solid starring Solid Snake. And the reason I was inspired to do this segment is because uh, news sources kept announcing that like Oscar Isaac is playing Solid Snake. Oh, I'm going to And they I'm kept showing come. pictures of, oh yeah, it's going to be super hot. <laughs> Um, but they kept showing pictures of Oscar Isaac with different main characters from this franchise, and none of them were Solid Snake. So <laughs> I want to um, just talk a little bit about who that hey, is. Can I, so, can I say something really fast? Um, yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, oh, my gosh. So, Please um, interrupt me whenever. My favorite, personally, my favorite is Gas Snake. <laughs> <laughs> but Liquid Snake is pretty cool, too. Uh, you're spoiling it for Kay. <laughs> I don't, I don't know anything that's going on, so you're not spoiling anything. Okay. Let's talk about Metal Gear Solid. Um, so Metal Gear Solid Tactical Espionage Action is a stealth game for the PS2, I think PS1. Um, centers around the main character, Solid Snake, who is a covert operative for the U.S. government. Uh, his name is Snake because the director of the game franchise, Hideo Kojima, is a dork, and he likes the movie Escape from New York with Kurt Russell. So oh, wow, just like you. And that is named... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Solid Snake does not wear an eye patch, though, even though he's named after Snake Plissken, who does wear an eye patch. This is important for later. Uh, <laughs> take note of that. Solid Snake does not have an I'm eye patch. I'm putting it in my notes. I'm writing it down right now. Please do. I'm drawing a little picture. Solid Snake. Uh, the plot of the game revolves around Solid Snake um, infiltrating Shadow Moses Island, um, where nuclear weapons are being stored, uh, and the island has been taken hostage by Liquid Snake and the rogue U.S. Wait, is that um, real? Military unit. Oh yeah, were you? <laughs> What's fucking around? Oh, I thought... <laughs> No, uh, no, no, no. Liquid Snake is real. Uh, Liquid so Snake funny. and his unit, Foxhound, have taken Shadow Moses hostage and are threatening to launch nukes around the world. So Solid Snake, who <laughs> is a clone of <laughs> Liquid Snake and Solid Snake, are both clones <laughs> of the same person. And Liquid Snake is British. Uh, and Solid Snake is American. Yeah. Yeah, he's the villain. So it's cool. Well, I wonder why. Yeah. <laughs> you wonder why what? Well, it's obvious that he's the villain because he's British. Like Yeah, yeah. 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 I wasn't sure if you were saying you wonder why he's evil or you wonder no. why he's British. No, I was sarcastically yeah. saying <laughs> I wonder why, why, implying that, like, of course a British person would be the villain because all British people are villains. Yeah, well, yeah. one begets the other, really. Sure. 
on behalf uh, of all of us at Pass the Brain Cell, I want to say that um, I, I don't hate British people. I just think that they're, it's funny the way that they are. Don't don't oh, say on behalf of Pass the Brain yeah, Cell. No, no, no. I hate, I hate, I British, hate people. British people. Yeah. Ooh, top of the morning to you. Remy is yeah. an apologist. That's on them. I just, I just <laughs> like Dr. Dean. I'm Take sorry. the tube down to work, in it. <laughs> um, so uh, Metal Gear Solid, uh, pre- pretty much the most straightforward game in the series. Uh, Snake infiltrates Shadow Moses Island. Um, his first encounter is with a member of Foxhound named Revolver Ocelot, who is an older gentleman who uses a revolver. Oh, yeah, he's hot. Yeah, uh, he gets his hand cut off by a cyborg that I don't think is really important to the rest of the story. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, Solid Snake meets his brother, uh, not his brother, his boyfriend. Um, Sorry. Whoa. Important. What is this? What is this? Supernatural? In in this case, it's going to get complicated. Uh, So he meets his boyfriend, uh, Otacon, who is a scientist who created the Metal Gears, which are uh, giant two-legged robots that carry nuclear weapons. Um, I, I don't know why that's, um, like, the best way to carry nuclear weapons, but uh, I guess... Yeah, okay, so Solid Snake saves the day, uh, yada yada. He kills Liquid Snake. Thank um, God. Revolver Ocelot uh, steals Liquid Snake's hand and uh, grafts it onto his stump. Um, and you find out that where? Liquid Snake, w- uh, on his arm stump, because his hand got cut off by a cyborg. Oh, uh-huh. cool. Um, yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. And then, but, okay, so the big thing here is you find out that, uh, Liquid Snake was just a pawn the whole time. And, uh, he was actually working for the president, the president of the United States, whose real name I don't remember, but who, oh, sorry, who's... Public name I don't remember, but whose real name is Solidus Snake because he's actually another oh. clone. Oh. Uh, oh my god! But he has an eye patch. Oh my god! That's my. I I don't like this. So Solidus <laughs> Snake so is snakes. different. <laughs> Solidus Snake is different than Solid Snake because he's the president of the United States, uh, right. and because he has an eye patch, and because he's old, and because he has a, a Doctor Octopus suit and two samurai swords. So he's fucking cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, that brings us to Metal Gear Solid 2, uh, which is called Sons of Liberty. Uh-huh. Uh, Metal Gear Solid 2 starts with uh, Solid Snake going on a mission to stop Revolver Ocelot, who now goes by Liquid Ocelot because he has been <laughs> possessed by the ghost of Liquid Snake what? who lives in his arm. That is a So uh, Solid Snake goes to this tanker to stop Revolver Ocelot. The tanker blows up, and officially Solid Snake is dead. No. Not Um, him. Anyone but him. Sorry to tell you. Um, The next part of the game follows uh, Raiden, who is hot. I think, Remy, he's your type, um, because he looks like young David Bowie, because Hideo Kojima is gay um, for David Bowie. Yeah, Raiden uh, infiltrates Shadow Moses Island again for some reason because there's another Metal Gear there. Um, 
and he teams up with Otacon along the way, as well as Iroquois Pliskin, who looks exactly like Solid Snake and uh, sounds exactly like Solid Snake. <laughs> He's different, uh, but he can't. But he can't be Solid Snake because Solid Snake died on that tanker. Um, <laughs> but he actually is Solid Snake. What? But he goes by Iroquois Pliskin um, <sighs> because. Uh, if you'll remember, Solid Snake is named after Snake Plissken yeah, but, from Escape but from Solid New York. Snake died on that tanker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. You sound like Liquid Ocelot. God, I'm, <laughs> I'm exhausted idiot. already. Uh, so there's a big confrontation with Solid as Snake uh, until uh, Raiden is told by his uh, contacts in the government that he needs to turn the game off. Because the entire game so far has been a virtual reality experience <laughs> that Raiden has been trapped in, like inside the, of an wait, oil rig called Big Shell. Just this game, or like all of them? Just this game. Okay. They meant to kind of um, recreate the events of the first Metal Gear Solid to train Raiden to become better than Solid Snake. Whoa. And mm-hmm. then he has to fight ten Metal Gears alone. Uh. Uh. Solidus Snake shows up and he tells uh, Raiden that the entire U.S. government is actually a farce. Um, and he has taken the new president hostage to um, show that to the world. Um, sorry. I'm, Just to, like, show I'm off that he could? I'm trying to remember plot details. Yeah. Um, but, but in actuality, what he explains to Raiden is that um, the Patriots, a secret organization of billionaires and um, great minds actually run everything in the world. Um, and they basically have turned war into an industry. Uh, that would never happen gain, in real life. Which, that, <laughs> right? That could never happen. Uh, Revolver Ocelot, it turns out, is a triple agent. <laughs> Sorry, Liquid Ocelot uh-huh. is a triple, quadruple agent. What? Who... Wants to uh, take over the Big Shell Corporation, which is actually a giant Metal Gear that houses a bunch of other Metal Gears, and <sighs> jump them into the ocean Papa so Metal nobody Gear. can have the nuclear weapons. Um, but in doing so, that's a, a bad thing somehow, and Raiden sacrifices himself to save Iroquois Pliskin, who is real, even though he was also in the video game. Um and uh, save the day. Uh, Liquid Ocelot goes missing, and I think Solidus Snake dies on top of the White House in a sword fight. Um, That's how I want to go, Oh, personally. and there's a vampire named <gasps> Vamp who works for Liquid Ocelot. I forgot to mention that. Sorry. He's important. Now Kaylin's interested. And no. Vamp. <laughs> if you saw this guy, you would be even less interested because he's ugly. But, uh, <laughs> Vamp kills Otacon's daughter, so that's a thing. Um, Okay, I should have mentioned that uh, Metal Gear Solid 1 takes place in, I think, the year, like, 2020? Oh, wow, Um, yeah, that's exactly what happened that year. Yeah, and um, so Metal Gear Solid 2 takes place four years after that, uh, two years after Iroquois Pliskin died on that oil tanker. Um, Metal Gear Solid 3, Snake Eater, Eater. um, takes place... In, uh, I want to say 1972, uh, at the height of the Cold War, uh, where the player character is Naked Snake. Um, <gasps> Naked Snake! <laughs> Naked Snake. 
is the man who Solid Snake and Liquid Snake and Solidest Snake are clones of. Oh, he's and, the OG. Yeah, he's the OG. Naked Snake um, is in love with this woman named the Big Boss, who uh, <laughs> I guess her name is that because she's the boss of the entire military. <laughs> Big Mamas. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Big Boss uh, is a MILF. So Naked Snake is in love with her. Um, you can call him Snaked if you want. Snaked. Nake Snake. Uh, Nake Snake's real name, I think, is Jack, which makes me sad because it's a missed opportunity to name him Jake. Jake the Nake Snake. Yeah. Wow. Um, but, oh. um, so Naked Snake is in love with the big boss who ends up, uh, defecting to the, uh, Russian side of the conflict. <gasps> yes. Whoa. Yeah. So the beginning of the game, uh, involves... Naked Snake uh, being assigned to assassinate the big boss. Oh, no. Uh, who is in the jungles of Vietnam with um, a character whose name is Volgan. Okay. Jorgen von Strangle. Yeah. Um, okay, so Volgan and the big boss are in the jungles of Vietnam looking for a secret microfilm because there has to be some, like, plot device. Um, the microfilm, uh, nobody knows what's on it, but it's worth billions of dollars. Uh, uh, it's some kind of government information. Uh, Naked Snake is after it, and along the way he teams up with um, another MILF named Big Mama. Big Mama! Um, who Big Mamas! <laughs> I don't. I don't know this. I don't know what this. That's is. that's for Adriana. Did you never have oh, okay. to? You never. Wait. We never. Oh made yeah, you we watch didn't. Teen we didn't make her watch Teen Beach movie. No, sorry. <sighs> Add that to the list. Yeah. <laughs> and I missed a Big Mama joke. Yeah, you did. Big Mamas. Um, Big Mamas. Well, Big Mama is important because um, she ends up being the uh, mother of Solid Snake and Liquid Snake and Solidus Snake. <gasps> Wow. Big Mama. That's why they call her that. Um, he also meets uh, Huey Emmerich, who uh, is the father of Otacon. And he meets um, fan favorite Kazahira Miller, who is a fucking smoke show. He sounds hot. Uh, he's so hot. Uh, and he is Naked Snake's military contact, and they get real up close and personal. Do they get naked? Um, there are special missions where you get to take Kazuhiro Miller to the beach and uh, look at each other's speedos and then <laughs> go into him. a tent together and the tent starts shaking and it doesn't explain what's happening inside. Whoa. How can that be? How can that be read any other way? I, d I... <laughs> Is Metal Gear Solid gay? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's pretty gay. But he's still in love with the big boss. So he pursues her to the point where he finds out that the U.S. government, um, basically the, the proto-stages of the Patriots that we find out about later, have told the big boss, whose dedication to her country is so strong that she will do this, to defect to the Russians and allow herself to be killed by Naked Snake, 
to become a scapegoat for the entire Cold War. Uh, we're basically going to pin everything on her. I feel like and, there are better ways uh, to do this. Yeah, probably, but they're not as dramatic. <laughs> what else were they supposed to do, Remy? Take responsibility? Now, that doesn't go so far as to explain why the big boss has sex with Colonel Volgan, the leader of the Russian military, who has lightning powers. Um, Is he hot? No. Oh, then I don't know. He's also gay. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I don't... Yeah, yeah. There's a whole thing about him, like, grabbing his private's testicles. um, His private's private's. Yeah, because, like, his private comes into the room that they're in, and the colonel is like, uh, I'm going to make sure you're not a spy pretending to be the private. So he grabs his testicles. <laughs> that's, like, how you tell, Wait a minute. that's how you tell if someone's <laughs> a spy. Have, no, he's like, he's like the private's testicles. <laughs> I would know his testicles anywhere. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Stop. Uh, yeah, you gotta know your homie's testicles, which is actually something I've been hoping to instate in the podcast. Um, that we can we all grab each other's to... testicles? Yeah, because we, we need to be able to check each other. Yeah. Just in case we're reality There's no, There's problems. no better way to do that. I mean, I was re-listening to the episode where you talked about reality shifting mm-hmm. and like um, leaving a clone behind, and I, I want to be able to make sure that it's not a clone. Like I said before, if it's a clone, mind your own fucking business. Actually, Remy said that if they're a clone, they'll put mustard on their sandwiches, and that's the <laughs> oh, only that's way true. we can know. <laughs> okay. Kaylin, do I have permission to grab your testicles just in case you're a clone? Yeah, you always have permission to grab them, but I don't know if that would tell you if I'm a clone. Yeah, I feel like a clone of me would have I... the same testicles. Yeah, that's, uh, that's uh, like, that... the point. That's fair, but then you would think that the clone of Solid Snake would also be American, but he's British. So the big boss does have sex with Vulgan of her own accord and has a kid with him, mm-hmm. uh, who they name Ocelot. And Wait, um, it's another Ocelot? Oh, no, this takes place in 72. Okay. It's the same person. Oh, my God. Um, Ocelot uh, fights for the Russian military, and he tries to kill Naked Snake and gets beaten by Naked Snake and falls in love with Naked Snake. Uh-huh. Um, sorry, he doesn't fall in love with Naked Snake. He um he starts respecting his skills as a warrior. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> that seems like an important distinction. Yeah, yeah. No, he respects him as a warrior so much that he betrays <laughs> Colonel Volgan in the end. Uh, and joins Naked Snake's team, and um, I think also does secret swimsuit missions with him. Yeah, whenever we're watching Once Upon a Time, I just always think about how much I respect Hook's uh, skills as a warrior. Yeah. Yeah. But, unfortunately, Naked Snake does decide to kill the big boss in the end. Um, Mm -hmm. Because he doesn't know the truth until he watches the secret microfilm um which it turns out that's the information on it it's that the big boss is the scapegoat for the entire cold war which um yeah this is actually nonfiction. um a lot of people don't know this oh this happened testicles and all yeah yeah so the big boss gave her life so that we could know freedom wow wow that's beautiful 
and Metal Gear Solid 4, Guns of the Patriots, takes place in, like, <laughs> 2040 or 2050. Um, 10 years after Metal Gear Solid 2, um, 12 years after um, Snake died on the oil tanker, the world is torn up by war uh, across continents. There are new small Metal Gears who sound like cows. Oh, that's great. And they have... Yeah, they got, like, basically human legs. We should um, keep those guys. Those guys can There's stay. tons of cyborgs around, uh, and Liquid Ocelot and his vampire buddy show up. There's <laughs> a fucking vampire. Yeah, yeah, there's a vampire, uh, and they start causing trouble along with... Um, I'm only throwing this in because it's my favorite part of the franchise. Mm-hmm. It's not actually important to the story, but the other bosses in this game If are, it's important to you, it's important to me. They're called the Beauty and the Beast unit, which is very stupid. Um, and they are a <laughs> they're unit of... They're a bunch of Disney of, adults. Yeah, <laughs> they're so a funny. unit of women soldiers who have been damaged physically and mentally by combat and brought back as uh, cyborg animal people. Um, I mean, that's cool. Their names are... Yeah. Their names are Raging Raven... Um, screaming mantis, laughing octopus, and crying wolf. Oh, can you imagine out of all of those having to be laughing octopus? I know. I feel so bad for her. <laughs> like she's clearly the least cool. Liquid Ocelot is causing trouble all throughout the globe, and the only person who can stop him is Solid Snake, who it turns out is still alive, but now his name is Old Snake. Wait, I thought because... he died on the oil tanker. Well, Technically, he did, because this guy's name is not Solid Snake. His name is Old Snake. <laughs> Wait, his name is um, actually because, Old Snake? Oh my yeah, fucking because, God. Because clones age faster than normal people. So. Oh, yeah, I Wait, knew that. Why? That's, 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 uh, that's real. <laughs> I don't know, but he's really that's old That's basic now. clone uh, knowledge, he, Kaylin. <laughs> so there's this jacked old dude running around. Um, in, like, a skin-tight uh, combat suit. Uh, Otacon makes him a little robot friend. That's not important. It's just fun that he's going around. I missed a really important part of the franchise. So we're going to jump back to Metal Gear Solid 1 real quick. Ooh, that was me jumping. Uh, wow. There's a member of Foxhound named Psychomantis. And Psychomantis has telekinetic powers... Uh, and the big thing about Psychomantis at the time was that he could read your PlayStation's memory card. Oh, I know about this shit. So, yeah. So he would be like, let me prove that I'm a psychic. Hmm, I think you like Call of Duty. And then kids would be like, what the fuck? Piss themselves. Yeah. Um, and the reason I'm bringing this up is because of Metal Gear Solid 4. Uh, Screaming Mantis is named that because she's possessed by the ghost of Psycho Mantis. The weird thing about Metal Gear Solid 4 is there's a lot of sexual tension between Liquid Ocelot and Old Snake. Um, But Liquid Ocelot talks in a British accent because he's possessed by Liquid Snake. And he calls uh, Old Snake brother. Because... (laughs) But also, like, they get real up close and personal and... um, Quick sidetrack from the main story of this game, uh, Raiden comes back as a cyborg. 
um, with a samurai sword, and he fights Vamp the Vampire uh, to what? avenge Otacon's daughter because Otacon can't do anything because he pees his pants every time. This, every time there's conflict, <laughs> that's uh-huh. not a joke. He actually <laughs> pees his pants. A lot. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, also worth awesome. noting. Sorry, now we're talking about Otacon. Uh, Otacon lives with Old Snake. They uh, live together and are life partners. Um, and it's I... never explored further than that. I, I, ew. <laughs> yeah. No, it's not Kay. Okay. Don't... <laughs> they just live together. Okay. Yeah. Um, like Bert and Ernie. Anyways, Raid- Raiden kills Vamp um, after I think Vamp actually does kiss him. And then we cut back to Old Snake fighting, continuing the fight and the chase uh, against Liquid Ocelot. You find out Liquid Ocelot, the Liquid Ocelot was never working for the Patriots. Liquid Ocelot actually wants world peace. And so to do that, he has, oh, this is so dumb. He's taken control of the um you remember the giant metal gear that was hidden as an oil rig um that had a bunch of metal gears inside of it for metal gear Solid yeah papa pa- uh, papa metal gear yeah yeah so he has that still even though it was in the middle of the ocean sunken uh it's named outer heaven now um i don't know why but um he he raises it from the ocean and it turns out that he has turned it into basically a beacon because in the future, every gun has nanomachines connected to it, of course. Uh, and he has, uh, so he's taking control of all the guns in the world. He, <laughs> he just, he, he just like uh, charmed all the guns. Yeah, he used his cantrip. He's guns. possessing all the guns. Well, yeah, and so Old Snake is like, you can't do that uh, because he thinks Liquid Ocelot is going to use that to do some kind of terror attack. But then Liquid Ocelot just destroys all the guns. Oh, You cool. find out. Yeah, because you find out. <laughs> sorry. Okay, wait. Sorry, I'm jumping on here. Because before you find out why that is, Liquid Ocelot and Old Snake start fighting in the middle of the ocean on top of this big robot. Uh, naked because they both get naked beforehand. Naturally. Um, yeah. It's so naturally. That, it's so that they can fight better. Don't make it dirty. Right. <laughs> so there's conversations. I'm not saying anything. This, uh, and you find out finally after Liquid Ocelot takes a really big hit that he was a quintuple agent against himself all along. Oh my fucking god. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, he was Revolver Ocelot all along, but he hypnotized himself into thinking that he was Liquid Snake so he could what? get close to the Patriots. Why didn't because he just pretend? it would be fucking ridiculous for a summer <laughs> game to control somebody. <laughs> what? what the fuck? So, the, so yeah. the arm didn't actually do anything. No, but you thought that it did, didn't you, dipshit? What? Oh. You literally said that another ghost possessed someone, like... So, like, it can happen. It just didn't happen this time. During the fight where this is told to Old Snake, also Revolver Ocelot um, 
gets Snake into a grapple and then kisses him. Yeah, I'm sure that doesn't time. mean anything gay. Um, also, all the while, dramatic music is playing and there's flashbacks to um, <laughs> Revolver Ocelot like, being taught how to fire a gun by Naked Snake, who is kind of <laughs> Solid Snake's dad. Um, um, and well, like all the times that they work together... Um, and like them getting real up Kaylin, close and personal and like, feeling I, I, I need to clarify to Kaylin that it's not gross because like clones aren't your dad. They're even more you than your dad. <laughs> so it's, it's, yeah. it's even more. No, but it's uh, not gay. But it's not gay. Uh, he, 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 he. Uh, well, okay. So this is where we're going to take a quick break to talk about the Russian taunt. Um, because I do have pulled up in my uh, camera roll a few choice screenshots from that thread I was talking about. Why does Ocelot kiss Snake? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk. Of, uh, uh, yeah, uh, give Kaylin, me, you seem uncomfortable. Give me some rational oh, explanations for I why am. they would kiss. Yeah. Well, Kaylin, there's no reason to be uncomfortable because uh, he could have kissed him jokingly to distract him or just a brotherly ge- gesture. Mm-hmm. Just a, just a just a brotherly <laughs> gesture. I'm yeah, just like supernatural. Not romantic love parentheses. It makes him feel more masculine to show how he feels unaffected by everything that Snake is doing to him, even after all the ass kicking. Uh huh. It's not gay. It's basically a kick in the nuts, insulting someone's masculinity. Sure. To answer the question, he's taunting him. He's taunting him. He kisses Snake to mock their brotherly status, even though he is openly indulging in his role as Snake's mortal enemy. That's the gayest shit I've ever heard. Uh huh. (laughs) Nano machines. Are you are you reading from the thread? Yeah, these are all different responses. So so these are people trying really hard to to make it straight. These are logical explanations for why the kiss happened. Listen, Kaylin. Ocelot's nanomachines and mental conditioning were going haywire because of something <laughs> So his mind was all over the place. So this is so funny. It made it in his brain. It made it his brain could switch. Have been, it could have been a sign of respect. It could have been what? A sign of respect. <laughs> like he had for Naked Snake. I always kiss you guys because I respect you so much. My favorite response is from a guy named Solid Knight who just says he used tongue too. <laughs> that, that's really fucking good. That's so funny. Yeah. Uh, Snake is Liquid's brother. Ocelot is Liquid at this point. Ocelot, uh, Ocelot wanted to bone Big Boss. Snake is pretty close to Big Boss. That's about no, it. no, that doesn't track at all. Um. Okay, somebody said Snake and Ocelot are gay lovers. Uh, no, no, that's ridiculous. Big Boss and Ocelot were lovers, or at least they had an attraction, but because it was early 60s Russia, neither of them could say anything about it. Uh, and then we get back to the straight stuff. It's considered a huge insult to do something like that before you kill a man. It's not gay. It's basically a kick in the nuts. It's insulting this someone's this, masculinity. Wait, this is the second time someone said it was a kick in the nuts? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, my fucking God. It's like saying, you're not even a man. You're pathetic. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Next time I kiss next time I kiss a man, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be like, do you feel like he you got kicked in the French- nuts right now? You're not even a man. He didn't French him, dude. 
Is that what it said? <laughs> That's so funny. It doesn't count uh, if they didn't French. Of course, the last response in the thread before it is locked at 31 comments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Caffeine 7. Oh, it's caffeine a Russian tuant. It's a Russian Wait, can you repeat tuant. that? It's a Russian tuant. Oh, wow. Tuant? <laughs> yeah, he spelled it t- uh, T-U-A-N-T. <laughs> wow. Genius. I I love the idea that, like... They're like, no, it's masculine. He's just being like the Joker because the Joker is really the straightest character He's in fiction so that I can think twisted. of. <laughs> That's so funny. They were mocking their brotherly bond. I don't know what your problem is. Yeah, it's just right. This happened on Supernatural. Haven't, haven't you? I was just gonna say, haven't you seen the Supernatural finale? <laughs> <laughs> they don't French. Um, do you guys want to get back into the rest of the games? Yeah, of course. Uh, in the post-credits scene of <laughs> Look, Your Solid Four, Guns of the Patriots, uh, after uh, Revolver Ocelot has died and also destroyed all the guns in the world, Old Snake goes to his grave to pay respects uh, and goes to the grave of Naked Snake, a.k.a. the Big Boss, Big Mama. Um, because he big inherited mamas. the name of the Big Boss after he killed the Big Boss. Big Mamas. Oh, so it's like it's like the Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah, if you kill the Big Boss, you are the Big Boss. <laughs> <laughs> it's also like the Santa Claus because clones. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Paying respects, uh, Big Boss Liquid Snake, but Big Boss appears as an older man who looks like Sean Connery on purpose because Hideo Kojima is a nerd. Uh-huh. And um, he tells, he tells, he tells Metal Gear Solid, he tells Old Snake, he tells Old Snake that every event in the Metal Gear Solid franchise was fabricated uh-huh. um, f- by the, a secret organization called the Shadow Patriots, who are even deeper than the Patriots, and that nothing is real. Uh-huh. And then the game ends. Twenty years later in the canon. Oh, I thought you meant uh, in real life. I was like, holy fuck. Well, the next game is called Metal Gear Rising Revengeance, and it doesn't have a lot Revengeance? to do with anything else. It's just, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's made by a different company. Kojim is not involved, and it has to do with Raiden, um, who is now full cyborg and has sexy high heels. I'm just going to send a picture of him to Remy. Yeah, um, sure. Uh, and it's just about him fighting, like, giant robot monsters and shit. Awooga! Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I thought you would say that. <laughs> I wouldn't mind if, if this guy Russian taunted me, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> if, he, if he mocked your brotherly bond. Oh, don't I, um, even get me started. <laughs> hard, I, I always just wonder, like, how hard would it be to chew? I mean, I feel like it would be hard to learn again. when. Don't think don't about it. it. works. Anyways, <clears throat> that game's not important. I just wanted to say that there is a world after Metal Gear Solid. For, uh, because Liquid Snake's plan didn't work and there still are weapons and shit. Sad. Uh, yeah. And, um, it, there's another president that turns evil. It's not important. Because then we have Don't Hideo Kojima's... <laughs> Hideo Kojima's victory lap. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hideo Kojima's final return to the franchise that he got fired halfway through. Uh, Metal Gear Solid Five. Well, okay, sorry. Metal Gear Solid 5 is two games. 
Yeah. Sorry, I've been talking for so long already. Metal Gear Solid Don't 5. Don't worry about it. Don't even think about it. Uh, Kojima got hired by Konami again to do Metal Gear Solid 5. Uh, Kojima started going over budget immediately because he said that there had to be a free-to-play prequel to the game that was a different game called Metal Gear Solid 5 Ground Zeroes. Yeah. Metal Gear Solid 5 Ground Zeroes, the, it's a very short game uh, that really wasn't necessary. The basic plot of which is uh, back in 1975, I want to say, sorry, <laughs> uh, I'm going to say 1975. Uh, the big boss has uh, started <laughs> up his kind of military empire um, until uh, and, and kind of uh, built basically this family for himself with Kaz Miller and Revolver Ocelot and um, uh, Paz, uh, who is a, a, a Brazilian college student who they're friends with for some reason. And uh, Huey Emmerich, Otacon's dad, and Huey's wife, Dr. Strangelove. That's her name. Yeah, of course it is. And um, okay. everything's going kind of peachy. Um, the big boss is just kind of doing basic war crimes in South Africa and Angola. Um, uh-huh. Standard. And then this guy, this guy named Skullface comes out of the blue. Oh, Skullface. And he wears a Zorro mask and big pants. And... Um, <laughs> And he uh, blows up their base, and he puts a bunch of bombs in Paz's uterus, hey, and um, destroys everything that the Big Boss has built. Puts Big Boss into a coma until he wakes up in the year nineteen eighty four. I'm sure they didn't pick that year for any reason. Um, no, not any reasons, um, and no reasons at all. So. In Metal Gear Solid Five, The Phantom Pain, which is the actual game that you pay $60 for. The Phantom uh, Pain. Kojima kept going over budget, so he got fired halfway through. Um, <laughs> the first half of the game's narrative is as such. Uh, the big boss wakes up in a hospital. He's got one arm, and he's malnourished, and uh, he's uh, really out of it because he's been in a coma. Shitty hospital. And immediately, a woman assassin comes to kill him. Uh, he is saved by another soldier who is in this military hospital with him. Uh, this hospital is in the middle of Afghanistan. Um, and this soldier's face is being reconstructed, so we don't know who he is. I'm sure he's not somebody that we've ever known before. No, of course not. That would be ridiculous. Um... There is a very uh, beautiful um, sequence in this hospital. Uh, unlike any, I, I don't play a lot of video games, um, but it's not really like anything that I've played before because uh, the big boss is essentially crippled at this point. Uh, he's just kind of limping through this hospital as um, this mercenary team comes through and just exterminates uh, Afghani civilians, and it's horrifying. Mm. Um, and it doesn't feel empowering at all. Um, and then uh, just when you think that you are uh, coming to terms with the grim reality of war, uh, a 10-foot-tall golem made out of melted bullets who is on fire breaks through the wall <laughs> and starts chasing you through this hospital, uh, followed by a uh, seven-year-old girl in a straitjacket and a gas mask who is floating through the sky and um, 
hurling benches at you with the power of her mind. I can say that I've also never played anything quite like that in my life. Yeah. Um, you escape the hospital. Um, your buddy with the face problem uh, saves you in an ambulance. The um, face problem? Yeah. <laughs> the um, fact that he doesn't have one. The, um, the gas mask kid shows up again. Um, and, um, and he's like, mummy. Summons... The gas mask kid uh, turns into a whale the size of a jet airliner that is on fire and crashes into your ambulance. Uh, the big boss survives, uh, but your buddy with the face problem does not. <laughs> Are you okay, Remy? <laughs> this is like me trying to explain my dreams to you guys. <laughs> Yeah, it is. Um, Then my favorite thing about this game happens. Um, The thing about the Metal Gear Solid games is everybody is very grungy and, like, in combat uh, fatigues. There's a very particular aesthetic about this game, and it's very practical and combat-oriented. And then Revolver Ocelot shows up in this game, and he is dressed like John Wayne. Uh, he's wearing chaps and he has bright red leather boots and he's riding a horse. And so you get on his horse and then the bullet golem starts chasing you on a flaming unicorn. And, um, and then, um, and then you escape and it becomes another Metal Gear Solid game about tactical espionage action. Um, the first mission is, um, sorry. Um, the game continues after Revolver Ocelot, uh, brings you back to your base, um, an oil rig that, uh, the big boss immediately dubs Outer Heaven. Hey, that was Um, the thing that he, the... Yeah. They said that before. Uh, yeah, and he starts a mercenary corps called the Diamond Dogs. Um, do you remember when I said that Kojima is a fan of David Bowie? Yeah, I was going to say, um, wow. (laughs) And this takes place in the year 1984. Uh, I'm going to kill myself. Yeah. Uh, he starts this mercenary corps and he starts, uh, doing, uh, war crimes in Afghanistan, uh, to fund, uh, his revenge against Skullface. Uh, the first mission of which is to save Kazahira Miller, who has been imprisoned, um, as a prisoner of war for as long as the boss has been in a coma. Uh, Kaz lost a leg and an arm, but he's still sexy. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's also very mean. Um, later in the game, you um, have to rescue child soldiers from Northern Africa. Um, you take them back to your base. One of them keeps a gun on him. And Cass Miller sees that, and he uh, walks over on his crutches, and he hits the kid across the face. Oh, my uh, God. Uh, he hits him a few more times while he's on the ground. Uh, <laughs> where's my fucking like, money? And he's Get like, that'll teach you. And then he sends the kids away, and he's like, boss, you're going to make a huge difference in these kids' lives. They're going to be able to get an education. <laughs> They're going to be able to live normal lives. Out. 
in the real world away from Northern Africa. That is, that and is then Scott's talk. The, the kids become intelligence officers for you. Oh my God. <gasps> Reporting directly to the head of intelligence, Kazahira Miller. Um, um, everything you do in this game feels very bad. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like. Um, the thing about that is normally I would say that that is, um, how do I, well, tone deaf? And it is to an extent. Um, but at the same time, I think it is about this, uh, character, uh, and his descent into becoming, uh, a villain basically. Um, not a good person. Um, uh-huh. He does get his revenge on Skullface. Um, I forgot about Skullface. Oh, yeah, you forgot about Skullface. The thing is, it becomes more difficult because Skullface has kidnapped Huey Emmerich, Otacon's dad, and forced him to make the first Metal Gear. Metal Gear Sahelanthropus is its name because Sahelanthropus was the first organism to walk on two legs. Don't look it up. Yeah. Just trust me. Yeah. What, what happens if I look it up? <laughs> Don't. Okay. It's wrong. That's not true. <laughs> That's, yeah. um, That's so funny. The only reason I bring this up is because it's a plot point in the game for some reason that Huey Emmerich killed his wife. Right, I don't know why that's part of the game, but Huey fucking sucks and he pees his pants more than Otacon does. <laughs> why is that such a thing? I don't know. That's how they show um, their dominance. Or that's how they uh, uh, mock their brother. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, bef- uh, the other thing that happens before Skullface's encounter is uh, one of the leader of the child soldiers um, is actually a white kid uh, from South Africa uh, who they call uh, the White Mamba. Uh-huh. Uh, who his, his real name is uh, <laughs> Liquid Snake. Oh, uh, oh, my fucking God. Don't do this who, to me. You have to fight with guns on multiple occasions. The child? Um, yeah, because he keeps trying to <laughs> to wrest control away from you of the diamond he, dogs. He so kept trying. That's on him. You got you got to put him in his place <laughs> with guns. With guns. And, um, <laughs> He's never gonna yeah, learn just, if just you shoot don't. The kid. Yeah, just shoot him in the legs. Oh my fucking um, god. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, this story is ripe with torture. Um, Sounds like the other. The other thing I wanted to talk about very briefly, um, again, not super important to the plot, but there's a character named Quiet who this game came under a lot of controversy about. Because um, Quiet is the assassin that tried to kill Solid Snake in the hospital. Um, She is redeemed later and she joins your squad as a sniper. The thing about Quiet is that she doesn't wear clothes. Uh-huh. And she doesn't talk. Well, she's And the she's reason quiet. for that... The reason for that is she is a plant. Uh, uh, and she needs to photosynthesize. Uh, uh, <laughs> that's so good. Hey, um... <laughs> what? That's so good. Um... <laughs> So, Skullface's evil plan is that 
uh, he wants to make a secret virus out of a super intelligent plant um, uh-huh. from the African region uh, that can detect languages. So these viruses <laughs> will <laughs> kill, uh, they will infect everybody who speaks a certain language. And, oh. And oh, my God. When the person speaks that language, they will die. Oh, my God. Yikes. Yeah, so he wants to make uh, English the only language on Earth. In case uh, that were out That's Skullface's thing. Um, and that's why Quiet doesn't speak is because she is infected with the first version of the virus, which means she can't speak her home language. Uh, but also, she is the plant. She is the plant. Uh, I, she's the plant. Wow, that's so fucked up. Um, yeah, 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 um, but, uh, it's cool because you end up killing Skullface and getting a cure for the virus. Yeah, um, that's good. Do you think anyone yeah, ever sat good. down and, like, no. was like, hey, Kojima, can we please just, like, make an outline? <laughs> no, he just made the shit up. He just made the shit just up like a little well. mind map, like a little bubble map, like you know. He just he made was like, no mystery along. box. Well, it's actually <laughs> funny that you say that because <laughs> mystery box. <laughs> no, it's funny that you say that because um, so Skullface dies. Um, he's killed by uh, the big boss and um, Kazahira Miller. Uh, who are holding hands uh, while they Ew. kill him together? Wow! Uh, beca- and uh, because because he took their future away, um, and um, they're not happy about that. They keep talking about like the future and the past and ghosts, and the dialogue is really bad. They're like the ashes of our fallen comrades or the phantom pain of our past, and we need to. <laughs> oh my fucking for the god! Sons of the future and days of future Jesus. past. The days of future past. Um. No, I actually do want to pull up um one of the monologues from this and kind of give it a dramatic reading, please. Uh. Okay, so the big one that everybody talks about from this game is uh, Kazuhiro Miller saying, why are we still here just to suffer? Every night I can feel my leg and my arm, even my fingers, and the body I've lost and the comrades I've lost (laughs) won't stop hurting. It's like they're all still there. You feel it too, don't you? I'm going to make them give back our past. Wow. The phantom paint. Yeah. I figured it out. When I yeah okay so that's how the first half of the game ends. Uh-huh. I want to talk about the second half of the game after Kojima gets fired. Hot take: Kojima deserved to get fired. <laughs> oh, he's doing so good though. Um, is is that an unpopular opinion? Yes, it is. Okay, wow. interesting. Um, the thing about Kojima is that, for as ridiculous as he is, um, he has made a lot of strives towards narrative and games uh and metal gear solid 4 was one of the first like games that featured cutscenes and like a heavy plot and story in it uh, in addition to gameplay mm. also if um, if anyone ever creates something that has a male fan base and they the first person leaves and something changes they will piss themselves yeah <laughs> no, they think he's a genius um 
And the other thing about it is that he is a really good director of those cutscenes, but he just wants to make movies. He oh, doesn't. Yeah. He's not making games. I mean, this that's is, that's uh, what I was thinking. I was like, this sounds like a movie. I don't know how you could yeah, play this. It's nothing. the The cutscenes are like hours. Oh my and god! It's just like you can just make a movie, buddy. Yeah. Could anyone tell him the movies are a thing? <laughs> they did. He's friends with Guillermo del Toro oh my and Nicholas Winding Ruffin and George Miller, um, and Mads Mikkelsen, and and nobody's just like, hey, buddy, just make a just make hey, a movie. Bud. We heard you like doing movies in games did you know that you could do those in movies he gets fired the second half of the game is very brief compared to the first half not a lot happens and most of it is just wrapping up the loose ends and explaining things that kojima left unexplained what you find out is that the bullet golem is uh colonel vogel from metal gear solid 3 uh, Revolver Ocelot's dad. Um, his corpse has been reanimated for reasons that are beyond me. Um, and the uh, kid with the gas mask is uh, baby Psychomantis, who doesn't like the big boss because he knows that he doesn't like his son in the future because he's psychic. Yeah, it seems normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Okay, how this game ends is the rest of the game is pretty much just gameplay. So there's not a lot of plot that I can talk about. But when it gets to the end of the game, they have to go back to Kojima's material because they don't have any other way to wrap it up. So the virus comes back somehow and it infects Snake's crew. This game... As soon as he gets out of the hospital, his game his name is no longer Naked Snake. Oh man! Uh, his they finally name put is, some clothes on this motherfucker. His name is his name is Venom, uh, and then in quotes, punished Snake. I yeah, which is why I recommend that after this episode, uh, you go by Punished Remy. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think. <laughs> I feel like this is punished. <laughs> uh, hey, uh, hey, don't keep laughing, punished Venom, Kalen. You know, you're Shut getting the, yours too. Shut the fuck up. The reason I say this is because uh, punished Venom Snake is the person who speaks the, the line that I really wanted to read. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the virus comes back, um, the gameplay that takes up the second half of the game involves uh, capturing enemy soldiers and sending them to Kazuhira Miller for reconditioning. So that they can join your crew. Uh, and you're basically just building up this little army. Which is fucked up. But uh, also, like, all of the people that you capture or rescue or whatever have little names and little talents. So you kind of get connected to them. And you even play them at, uh, play as them at certain points. Is it is it a little um, ragtag group? Yeah, no, it is a little ragtag group. Um, and they all have names like uh, Screaming Rhino or, like... <laughs> bashful cockatiel or whatever (laughs) um the the um the reason i'm going back to talk about this is because in this big climax the virus comes back and punished venom snake decides that he has to kill everybody uh who you have spent hours recruiting uh and you have to play as punished venom snake with a gas mask on just fucking exterminating 
wow. this military base full of people. <laughs> Which is not fun. Let me tell you. I had to do that. It doesn't sound like a good mm, game did you? to play. I uh, no, I didn't have to, but like I, uh, I had, I actually did have to as research for this segment. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Lucy's made so many sacrifices for this show, and after <laughs> I played these games for you, <laughs> punished Venom Snake comes back to face the surviving members of the Diamond Dogs, including Kaz Miller and Revolver Ocelot. Uh, most of them are mad at him. Why? I don't know why. I don't know why it would be. What are they mad at? Um, they cremate the bodies of the dead so the infection doesn't spread. And they collect their ashes and there's about to be a ceremony where they are dumped in the ocean. Uh, Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> I keep calling him Metal Gear Solid. Punished Venom Snake. Metal Gear Solid himself. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's Hideo Kojima. Um, no, no, Punish Venom Snake uh, uh, takes the first urn that is supposed to be dumped and takes it over to the side of his tanker and is about to dump it into the ocean and then stops and he shoves his hand in there and he spreads the ashes of this soldier he just killed all over his face. And he says... He says the following. I won't scatter your sorrow to the heartless sea. I will always be with you. Plant your roots in me. I won't see you end as ashes. You're all diamonds. <laughs> and he decides that. Can you imagine? Wait, hold on, of, hold on. Uh, Can you imagine yeah. writing that and just being like, yep, I did a good job today. Yep. Got it. Like I said, these, these cutscenes are left over from Kojima. Um, what he decides is that they are going to turn the tanker into a factory where these ashes are crushed up and turned into diamonds. And uh, basically, they become warlords of this, these diamonds. That unlocks the secret final mission of the game called The Truth, parentheses, The Man Who Sold the World. Oh, mm-hmm. shut up. Because David Bowie. Yeah. God. Uh, in which you have to play through the entire opening sequence in the hospital again. You have to do it to finish the game. <laughs> because once you do, it cuts back to the present day of 1984 or whatever, where Metal Gear Solid, I mean Punish Venom <laughs> <Punishment laughs> Snake, is <laughs> he's like looking in a mirror after he's had a heavy conversation with Revolver Ocelot, and he finds a secret cassette for his Walkman, and it's labeled The Man Who Sold the World. Mm-hmm. And it starts as the David Bowie song, and then it cuts, and it becomes a recording of the big boss. And he explains to Punish Venom Snake the truth, that Punish Venom Snake is not the big boss. Punished Venom Snake is a random soldier from the military group that the big boss was part of before Skullface's attack, who was hurt in the explosion and got facial reconstruction surgery while he's in the coma to look like the big boss, who is actually the guy without the face from the hospital. No. I think that the real Phantom Pain is 
all of the game. The re- the real reason that I'm telling you all of this is because the the ending of the game shows this and talks about how um Punish Venom Snake has become like the devil of his outer heaven and the first angel of the new order of the yada yada, Shadow Moses. And um but then it cuts back to after the hospital, um Revolver Ocelot goes back and he digs out the real big boss from the wreckage of the ambulance and he gives him a motorcycle and he wishes him good luck and it's a very tender moment and um, they embrace and then uh, the big boss rides off into the sunset to do big boss things. Yeah, big boss, big mom. Um, the, the question that I had after all of that is what was the point? Um, were you not listening to yourself? Because everything that happened seemed to have a pretty clear point. Yeah? Yeah. Maybe you just um, don't have the IQ to understand. <laughs> that is Metal Gear Solid. Wow. Oh, man. Um... Was this an okay segment? <laughs> yeah, it was great, but it was also punished, Remy. <laughs> was... I liked the Twitter I told you thread. you guys were going to hate this. It was punished, Remy, in a funny way. I told you guys you were going to hate this. I didn't believe you. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so the other thing I just wanted to talk about was um, this Oscar Isaac thing. None of these articles showed pictures of the real Solid Snake because with PS1 era graphics, he doesn't really have a face. He's just like a cube man. <laughs> um, so they use pictures of the bit, naked snake or punished venom snake or Iroquois Pliskin. Or, All of the wrong snakes. Or old snake. But yeah, they don't actually have Solid Snake because Solid Snake died on that tanker. <laughs> Do you guys have any questions? I can't possibly have any questions. No. Uh, comments or concerns? Concerns, yeah. I'm concerned. <laughs> um, okay, actually, I do want to leave you guys with a question. Leave me with a question. Yeah. Um, the the million dollar question, actually, um, the question that uh, ended kingdoms, mm-hmm. um, the question that started an empire, the question that uh, inspired me to be a creator in my youth. Uh-huh. The the question that Fan four four five raised to us all: um, mm-hmm. Why does Ocelot kiss Snake? Because why would anyone kiss anyone? Because of the Phantom Pain. You guys actually are both wrong. Oh. Um, I'm actually really disappointed. That Wait, you guys what? What was the right answer? What did What did I even say that could be wrong? Am I being graded on this? The real answer is it's a Russian twant. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we need to switch segments now. Yeah, this is the end of the segment. And we're back. Okay, and we're back. And we're back. (laughs) Um, Okay, so today I will be telling you guys about some of the worst plot holes in the CW Supernatural. um, Good. That made me want to fucking self-destruct. <laughs> so, um, 
I can't wait. So firstly, I just want to say, uh, yes, I am talking about Supernatural two weeks in a row. Uh, it's finals week. Get over it. Um, <laughs> oh, like and, you wouldn't do this normally. Okay. The yeah. thing is, is that I, I have other things that I could do if I had more time to like research and stuff. Yeah, I get it. This <laughs> is shit that's in my brain right now. <laughs> <laughs> I can just write down. Um, <laughs> so that's why. But um, but yeah, I, I I'm I'm not sitting here like, man, I'm I'm so sad I have to talk about supernatural. Like <laughs> Oh no, I hate that so, show. I do hate that show. Don't get it don't get <laughs> yeah, it twisted. I am the number one supernatural anti. Um, <laughs> but anyways, anyways, so before we start, I do just wanna say that I do understand that when a show runs for 15 years, like Supernatural did, which shouldn't have happened, but regardless, you're going to have some plot holes and some things that just don't make, like, the most sense altogether. And, like, I'm fine with that if the sacrifice inconsistency pays off. So, like, I'm giving an example here of a plot hole that I, I do excuse uh, to show that the ones that I'm complaining about aren't me being annoying and just, like, bitching about lore. But, like, the things that they do ruin previous seasons and are stupid and don't make the show better. Right. So, uh, and yeah, uh, a lot of the inconsistencies that I'll talk about today, they ruin things from seasons one through five, which, uh, are my personal favorites, as some of you may know, and are also objectively the best seasons. That is a fact. If anyone tells you otherwise, uh, they're wrong. Yeah, I would never believe anyone but you. <laughs> I'm so glad. Yeah. So, uh, so like, an example of a plot hole that I'm fine with is in season eight, um, the show establishes that you can cure a demon, i.e. you can make a... Uh, demons human again since like a demon is just a corrupted human soul um, undemon yeah you can undemon them demon reverse yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so a villain is introduced in this season uh her name is abaddon and she's a special kind of demon who is at this point in the show impossible for sam and dean to kill and so they plan to cure her so she won't be a demon and won't be a problem anymore. But, like, she ends up escaping from them so they can't cure her. And then they, they like, forget about her for a while. And then in season nine, they focus on killing her again. And instead of just, like, trying to do the same plan, trying to cure her again, um, Dean takes on the Mark of Cain, uh... That allows him to use the first blade, which is the only weapon that can kill her. And I'm fine with this because, first of all, I like the Mark of Cain plot more than most things in the later seasons. It's not, like, amazing. They didn't do that great of a job with it. But also, most importantly, that plot gave me Demon Dean, who... Uh, oh. Oh, yeah. So this I, is for horny reasons. <laughs> yes, but also he was good in, like non-horny ways mm -hmm. um, yeah i believe you. i can't i cannot wink. stress enough how much i loved demon dean wink um but yes uh let the record show i am a whore <laughs> but uh 
So, like, I'm fine with a plot hole that's stupid, because it is stupid that they don't just try to cure her again. Um, but it actually, like, leads somewhere that I think is, like, good, and, like, I think it pays off. Yeah, I think I think that if you, like, do something cool, I can always excuse, like, kind of fucking up the canon. I don't think that it's a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I'm not, like, I'm not a huge, like, stickler for lore unless it, like genuinely like ruins the quality of the show so speaking of let's move on to some plot holes that i hate and have ruined not only the show but my life (laughs) so uh in season eight again um sam needs to get into purgatory for reasons that are outside the scope of this uh, scope i should say don't know why i said that but uh the scope of this podcast segment. Um, So purgatory in Supernatural is where the souls of monsters that are like everything that isn't a human, an angel, or a demon, that's where they go when they die. Interesting. And uh, so to get there, Sam bribes a reaper to take him to purgatory. And reapers, uh, like, guide spirits to their, like, proper place when they die. So, like, heaven, hell, purgatory, whatever. Um, The problem with this is that the entire fucking plot of season six is that Castiel and Crowley are desperately trying to get into purgatory. But it's, like, super (laughs) hard to get into. And it takes the entire season. Meanwhile. (laughs) Yeah. Meanwhile, this guy's over here, and he's like, "So here's five bucks, bucks season six, no, literally, literally, and like, uh, also like, it's not even like, oh, they didn't know that like you could bribe a reaper to do that. No, Crowley has bribed this reaper before canonically. (laughs) The same one, yes, just not (laughs) to get to purgatory. It's so fucking stupid. That's really good. Um, so that's not all." That's not all on the purgatory front. So, uh, building on that plot hole, uh, season 15 makes the reason that they even needed to go to purgatory useless. Like, or I guess, not the reason, but, like, the way they got into purgatory useless. So, uh, so Sam needed to get into purgatory because apparently in purgatory... There's a back door to hell located there, and this is, like, the only way he can get into hell, and he, like, needs to sneak in there. Again, I'm not getting into why this is happening. Hey. Yeah? Hey. Hey. Yes? Um, Sneaking into the back door to hell is the the name of my sex tape. Yeah? (laughs) Is it? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's really good. Yeah, thanks. Uh, Let the record show that Lucy is also a whore. The record show, yeah, the show that I'm not, I would never. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so so I'm not gonna get into why, but he needed to go to hell. So uh, so then in season 15, Sam and Dean get into hell very easily by just doing a little fucking spell. <laughs> they just do a little spell that teleports them to hell, and that's it. <laughs> Instead of, like, back in season eight, back in my day, you had to bribe a reaper (laughs) to to get you into 
purgatory so you could sneak into hell. And then Cass is like, actually, back in my day, you had to spend a full year working with the king of hell, who is a Nazi, to try to get in <laughs> to purgatory. Uh, excuse me? It's so easy for people these days. Yeah. Um, so moving on. Um, you probably think that that's all. They can't make this getting into purgatory thing stupider. They can't keep making this worse. There's uh, no they way do. that they do. No. They do. The same thing. So, yeah. um, Crowley and Castiel, like I said, spend an entire season trying to get into purgatory. And meanwhile, the archangel Raphael is competing with them to get there first when he finds out that they're planning to do that. Uh, so I'm not going to get into why. That's just all you have to know. So again, getting into purgatory is not easy, even for extremely powerful archangels. So in season 15, the archangel Michael just decides to snap his fucking fingers and create a little portal into purgatory for Dean and Cass (laughs) to go through. He just snaps his fingers and he's like, you have 24 hours. Um, in purgatory. So I never Have watched. Fun. I never watched the show, but apparently, uh, this was a big problem in Game of Thrones because, like, <laughs> yeah. they would, uh, it would take like a whole season to get from one place to another place usually. But then they just started implementing fast travel because they didn't want to deal with it anymore in the writing. God. Yeah. So they would just be like, "Oh, I'm here now." <laughs> so yeah, uh, this show makes no effort to even try to remember any of their lore or even what, like, storylines were previously. Uh, or they do, and they just don't care. Uh, and either way, it's it's so annoying to watch. So let's move on. So we are done talking about Purgatory. Worry not. Um, okay. Um, so moving on from Purgatory. Um, so ever since angels first appeared on supernatural in season four a very well-established piece of lore is that angels need permission in order to possess a vessel so like the angel has to literally talk to a person and be like hey could you let me borrow your body for a while and uh not even not even lucifer the devil himself can possess a vessel without permission and uh, this is this is very different to demons who can just possess anyone anytime. Yeah, because um, they don't have fucking manners. Yeah, they don't. Um, because they're demons. But um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, so at the end of season thirteen, Dean allows the archangel Michael to possess him for reasons that I don't want to get into, and um, I do have to distinguish this because because uh, we already talked about Michael, but um. This is Michael from another universe. <laughs> He's from an alternate universe. And, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Alternate Michael. That's my favorite one. Yeah. This is punished. This is punished, Michael. <laughs> there's, there's multiple Michaels. And uh, I'm just going to call him AU Michael from now on. Yeah. So uh, a couple seas- or a couple episodes, AU Michael just randomly leaves Dean's body. And everybody was like, huh, that's kind of weird that he just stopped possessing you. But whatever. And they don't really think about it again. Um, and then halfway through the season, A.U. Michael just hops back into his body without permission. Uh-huh. I, I can't stress enough how much he cannot do that. <laughs> and the, 
the only explanation that Michael gives us for this, because everybody was like, what the fuck? You can't do that. He was like, he says, and I quote, I left the door open. (laughs) 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 It makes no sense. It makes no sense. The door is deep. He left the door open. That makes sense to me, honestly. It doesn't make sense because... There are other times in the show where an angel will try to repossess a previous vessel and they'll be like, no. And they'll be like, damn, I guess I have to fuck off. Um, (laughs) They didn't leave the door open. Yeah, I guess they were just stupid and didn't leave the door open. But um, yeah, yeah, so so that pissed me off a lot. Uh, And lastly, but certainly, certainly not least, is the plot (laughs) hole. that I hate the most. This one just makes me seethe when I think about it. I hate it. This one retroactively destroyed my favorite episode of the show. Oh no. And it is the bane of my existence. Um, I'm sorry. What can you do? Uh, I'm talking about the Archangel Blade. That doesn't sound important. Sounds cool. It sounds very important. It's not. This ruined my life. So, (laughs) so in season four, along with the angels, they introduce uh, angel blades, which are weapons that all of the angels have. And at this point in the show, they are known to be able to kill any angel and even demons. And uh, season four introduced angel blades, whatever. Um, And in season five, Lucifer uses an angel blade to kill his brother and fellow archangel, Gabriel. Fast forward to season 13, and the character, I hate to even say his name, Asmodeus, who is a demon, who is so fucking annoying, he walks around wearing his little fucking white suit, and he has a southern accent, and I hate him. (laughs) He sounds like Colonel Sanders. He fucking looks like him. I uh, say, I say, Asmodeus. Literally, that's him. Um, <laughs> so, uh, that's really good. I don't know why yeah. you hate him. He's really, he sounds, no, he sounds no, really cool. He, he's bad. Asmodeus reveals that he is in possession of an archangel blade. And that he's been holding the angel Gabriel captive this entire time. Gabriel. And it makes no sense. Because, like, he was supposed to be dead. But, you know, you can't. Anyways. Yeah, a lot of people are supposed to be dead, Kaylin. No, I know. Okay, we watched it. We watched it happen. I didn't watch Elvis die. No, no, no. This sounds like... um... And I realize this means nothing after the whole topic I just talked about. Yeah. But this sounds like um, like a child like playing an imaginary game and being like, oh, you have a laser gun? Well, I have an anti-laser gun shield. And like, well, <laughs> That's I so have funny. An anti-shield laser, and it's the ultimate laser. So <laughs> That's so fucking funny. <laughs> oh, you have an angel blade? Well, I have the archangel blade, so. <laughs> Checkmate. God, that's so funny. But yeah, um, so they also revealed to us that only an archangel blade can kill an archangel. Yeah. <laughs> and that this blade can only be wielded by another archangel. Uh, I don't know how many more times I could say archangel here. Archangel. But, um, archangel. Archangel. 
So uh, this causes a lot of problems because firstly, uh, they say that like one of these blades hasn't been seen in like forever. So that just means that there was no way to kill any of the archangels this entire time. And um, that begs the question, why the fuck would Lucifer use a regular angel blade to kill his brother if he knew that it wouldn't work? (laughs) He left the door open. (laughs) and uh and in the season five finale which is my favorite episode of the show michael and lucifer plan to kill each other um and i don't know how they could do that if they weren't in possession of an archangel blade i think they had like angel blades that they were planning on using like what are you gonna do with that then it's not enough The entire point of season five is also ruined because the whole season culminates in this fight between Michael and Lucifer that can't happen. Because none of them can die. Yeah. Yeah. Without uh, an archangel. And it ruined the whole show for me because the only parts of the show that matter are the first five seasons. Right. And I may quote you on that. And you may quote me on that. Um, So that's all I have today. That is by no means the end of plot holes in Supernatural, but these are the ones. Some yeah, of the ones I would love to have a part that I hate the most. I love this. Um, I'm glad that this was entertaining for you guys because watching it was not for me. <laughs> well, punished we suffer Kaylin. for the fans. You're punished, Kaylin. <laughs> you did the research. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I actually did it all. I watched, uh, I watched this show for eight years <laughs> so that I could... Uh, Make this podcast for you guys. Yeah. Wow, that's so generous. Um, well, Remy, do you, did you bring something to the table today? I brought something to the table today. Um, it's not very long, but uh, it's just a little, just a little taste. Um, I'd love to hear it. So this is something, Lucy, that you you probably know a little bit about, but uh, Kaylin told me that she didn't, so I, I'm still gonna tell it. Um, today I'm gonna be talking about the founding of DreamWorks SKG. Oh, oh yeah. I know a little bit about this, but I'm excited to know, like, all the ins and outs. Um, there's a lot of ins, there's a lot of outs. Um, <laughs> so, this all culminates and starts with one man. One short, angry man, <laughs> Jeffrey Katzenberg. <laughs> so, in 1994, uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg was basically shoved out of Disney by Michael Eisner, um, he was supposed to take over the position of vice president upon the retirement of Frank Wells, but Frank Wells died in a car accident. So, uh, so he, uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg goes to Michael Eisner and is like, daddy, can I have the job please? Since Frank Wells died. And Eisner's like, no. And when, uh, when he was like, daddy, I'm supposed to have this job. Eisner was like, cool, you're fired. Um, And Katzenberg launched a lawsuit against the company and won a settlement rumored to be around $100 to $250 million. Oh, my God. So using this money and built up spite, Jeffrey Katzenberg decided to forge his own company to hopefully rival Disney with his friends Steven Spielberg and David Geffen. So SKG is Spielberg, Katzenberg, Geffen. Um. So, 
DreamWorks' first two animated pictures were the first blow in the war that he waged on Disney Studios. So we have Ants and the Prince of Egypt, which were, um, they were both intended. One of those intended... is good. <laughs> which one? Um, they were both, <laughs> they were both intended to be contrast to the conventional Disney cartoon. So, you know, the Prince of Egypt was like dark and biblical and Ants was, uh, Ants was supposed to be like, more like cynical and like raunchy uh and they both had pg ratings which was at the time disney didn't have pg movies they released g movies well they had uh they had the black cauldron but they they're they're like good movies hadn't started being rated pg yeah um so ants was in the production at the same time as pixar's a bug life a bug's life and was basically used as leverage against the studio. So A Bug's Life was scheduled to premiere at the same time Katzenberg had, re- had planned to release The Prince of Egypt, and Katzenberg decided that if Disney would change the date of A Bug's Life, he would stop pr- production of the movie Ants. He would just, like, stop. Uh, but John Lasseter, ref- uh, the head of Pixar at the time, refused, and Katzenberg sped up the production of Ants to assure that it was released before A Bug's Life, even though it was planned after. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. So, although A Bug's Life still outgrossed Ants, Ants was a critical and box office success. Um, as, as it should, no offense, <laughs> but that movie taught me the cost of war. Well, a Bug's Life taught me socialism, so. Oh, so true. Um, so when The Prince of Egypt finally released later that year, it grossed around $101 million. It became the highest grossing non-Disney animated film of all time at the time. Um, so after a few more hits and misses of movies, DreamWorks finally <laughs> was about to drop a bomb on the entire animation industry. Just... Possibly one of the biggest bombs that has ever been released in animation history. Mm-hmm. So in 2002, Shrek, <laughs> Shrek comes out. Uh-huh. I like how you paused for applause after Shrek. <laughs> because you knew we were going to have some reaction to it. <laughs> so Shrek was the manifestation of all of Katzenberg's anger. And ultimately, <laughs> his desire to blow a hole in Disney's practical animation monopoly. Don't so it was another PG care. movie with, wait, huh? What's up? Donkey. 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 It was another PG movie with more adult humor and biting jokes at Disney's expense. In fact, the entire movie is biting Disney movies. If you didn't know. So it took the fairy tale and happily ever after tropes that Disney was often perpetuating and turned them on his heads. And the sugary sweetness of Disney princesses and princes is contrasted by the more down-to-earth and jaded Shrek and Fiona. Uh, and they're used as a tool against Disney's common rule of attractive people being the good guys uh, and attractive people getting the happy ending, which is cool. Yeah. Um, and the movie also includes public domain fairy tales that Disney is famous for, such as Pinocchio. Uh, being sold off to Lord Farquaad, so it's like a, oh. it's it's like a little cheeky jab. Interesting. Um, mm. 
And if that's not enough, the film also goes out of its way despite Disney Studios itself. Duloc, the fictional town in the movie, is a clear reference to Disneyland, and more significantly, its ruler is a reference to the king of Disney at the time, Daddy Michael Eisner. <laughs> so <laughs> Daddy Lord Farquaad... is his official title in the company. <laughs> yeah. Lord Farquaad bears a striking resemblance to Michael Eisner and is speculated to be as short as he is, despite Eisner being six foot three, because he once said <laughs> I, I'm gonna I'm gonna um paraphrase this and remove the slur. Uh, because he once said in reference to Katzenberg, I think I hate the short little fucker. Hmm. Ah. Um, wow. I love that. Did they mm-hmm. name him Farquad because it sounds like fuckwad? Because I have heard that before. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, actually my, uh, so Shrek grossed $260 million at the box office. And uh, much later, much more later from like DVD and merchandise sales, they they made bank off of Shrek. And in 2002, a new category was introduced to the Oscars called the Best Animated Feature category. And some may argue that uh-huh. this was just in response to Disney, Pixar, DreamWorks, and all of these studios rising in popularity and frequency of just really banger films and they just wanted to give them the recognition they they deserve but what i think happened what i think happened is that they were afraid that shrek was gonna get nominated for best picture (laughs) (laughs) as as it should i there is there is genuine speculation on the internet that they're like we we're pretty sure that they introduced best animated feature because they didn't want Shrek to be nominated for like I have a lot of I have Oscar. heard that but I love <laughs> I, think you heard I that love hearing me. that from you uh, I think I saw it when I was like twelve on Tumblr oh, actually but um I like hearing it from you because I'm like oh that's much more credible <laughs> than, than a Tumblr post on my dashboard so. Although DreamWorks has fallen beneath Disney in popularity yet again with the release of films such as Tangled, Frozen, and Moana, it was able to create, like, a significant blow to the animation uh, industry. And also, like, DreamWorks was kind of putting out more bangers than Disney for a while there. Like, during the time that Shrek was released. Yeah. Uh, Pixar was doing some really good stuff back then, but Disney wasn't really releasing very many feature films. That was the direct-to-DVD era where Michael Eisner was just like, I don't know, fucking... Make one about Iago. And then they did. <laughs> yeah. They were like, make Lady and the Tramp too. <laughs> about their son. Um, the only Disney sequel that you're never allowed to slander in front of me is Cinderella 3 A Twist in Time because that's the best film. But yeah, that's that's basically all of my presentation that I have for you today. Um, oh. Jeffrey Katzenberg also was known for just being really bad at making creative decisions. Like um, Jeffrey Katzenberg famously was like wanted to cut part of your world from The Little Mermaid because he thought it was stupid. <laughs> um, he also, <laughs> yeah. Does anyone have any questions? This is. Uh... This is something no, I can talk about for a long time. I don't, but I, I don't. did enjoy hearing about it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, tune in next time where uh, I talk about Michael Eisner some more. I, I, I have plans for him. 
I'm excited. Yeah. I, I like hearing about this. Uh, I do too. Um, yeah, one of my one of my favorite things to do is like be a Disney scholar who hates everything about everyone who's worked for Disney. Yeah. Yeah. I just love hearing about the like behind the scenes drama that I wouldn't know about otherwise. It's literally like YouTuber drama. Yeah, exactly. And it's so funny. Like, imagine making two entire films just out of spite. Spite just... is one of the better motivations. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm all done. Is, uh, is, is, I guess that's our episode. Yeah. That, that does sound like our, it's our episode. Swan Lake is going to. Swan Lake's in. coming in. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Barbie Swan Lake. I love this music. I... Is it coming from the green or the black. <laughs> we uh we have to make sure the music comes up louder before that part so Gabriel Gunn no. doesn't sue us. He's not gonna sue us. Maybe he'll kiss us. Gabriel Gundacker, please kiss us. Uh, Gabriel Gundacker, if you're to hearing this, please Gundacher. kiss us. Please, please. <laughs> we should launch a fucking campaign like that. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> please, we've watched Io, Io Harrison $70 so many goddamn times. You don't know how many times I've watched it. <laughs> Do you think they want to stop recording? Uh, should, I, should I stop recording? Yeah. Okay. <laughs>